Hello and welcome to our latest edition of Trending in Education. Dan Stravitt here with a quick introduction to this episode. You'll hear briefly from Mike, Brandon, and myself talking about our favorite episodes of 2018 and looking forward a bit to 2019. You'll get a full prediction show in January from us. Uh, we do want to wish you a very happy holidays. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Happy New Year. We'll be back in full force to start 2019. You'll also hear from Matt Cooper from Skillshare, one of our great guests from 2018, talking about what he learned throughout the year and what he's looking forward to in 2019. You'll hear from Dr. Mark Sanders uh, from UNC Charlotte. He was on our teacher episode back in the spring. A great guest, great insight into Gen Z, into civic engagement and philosophy. And then you'll hear from Samantha Jaklinski, her first time here on the podcast. She won our March Madness user game back in the spring, and she finally was brought on here, a colleague of ours at Kaplan Test Prep, and a great all-around help to this podcast. So happy to have her on to discuss what she learned in 2018, what trends she was watching and what's forward in 2019 with no further ado here's our look back on 2018 and a brief look ahead to 2019 Welcome back to Trending in Education. Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer, and myself, Dan Strafford. And on today's episode, we're taking a look back at 2018, our favorite topics, uh, talking to some of our favorite guests along the way as well. Looking forward a bit to 2019 as well. Uh, Brandon, how you doing this morning? Uh, looking forward to talking a little 2018 with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I, you know, the year in review, there's always like a nice sort of sweet nostalgia about this. Um, I, I'm I'm planning to have some self-congratulatory moments for us yes. on this uh, on this. Of course, you are on this pod. Yes, listen, you are too, pal. We all are. Yeah. Um. So there's very little that I like more than nostalgia and self-congratulations. Um. So this is this is my kind of show. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. I'm trying not to get misty now because because Brandon got me going, <laughs> you know, and, and then I started thinking back. Uh, you know, uh, wistfully at, uh, at the year, the year gone by, it, it was a heck of a year. It sure was, was, it this was our, uh, second full calendar year mm -hmm. of training and education. So like we started in, uh, September of 16 and then we had a full year 17 and this is our second full year. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's like, it's like a blur, you know, that's why it's good thing that we have, uh, we have, uh, places to download our back catalog. Cause then we can remember, uh, what Wait, exactly this is, this is on the record. Is yeah, this, is this all, all of it? All of, we've been recording these. Oh dear. Oh my God. Brandon, now Brandon <laughs> knows we've been recording him. Yes. Don't link him. Don't link him. Uh, we will link everybody over there on Twitter, uh, to the back catalog. And thanks so much to everyone who's listened, uh, for the past year, an amazing year, uh, interacting with all of you, uh, via the podcast and, and the social media platforms and the website and all the different ways we've talked. Uh, Mike, it's pretty crazy to look back, uh, to be nostalgic at where we were in February and March, and then sort of take a look at all the different topics we covered. Obviously, Brandon, maybe a little self-congratulatory around kid solving. And the idea of uh, the the Parkland generation that we saw, but that seems like years ago at this point, Mike. Yeah. Um, what looking back early on in the year or over the course of the entire year, what topics stand out to you, and which do you think may be relevant moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I do think the prediction show was great, so it's definitely something we're gonna uh, focus on again. Uh, I don't think uh, unless uh, unless either of you have done special prep, I don't know if we have any predictions for 2019 just yet i think those should be in early 2019 i would agree yeah i would agree so i'm not ready just yet uh to share those but uh but i know when we did have our prediction show uh that was fun uh and then we also are bringing uh more folks in to get their predictions as far as like where they think things might be heading um i think brandon you've talked about this too where like um just by trying to understand where things might head you start to get sharper uh, yeah. somehow you actually start your mindset changes so you're not overly uh, tethered to the present or even the past uh, you actually are starting to bring a little more of a, a future facing perspective in and then I think the other angle uh, that I, I really like is uh, and this is uh, you know borrowing from Rohit but like you ask a futurist uh, whether whether her predictions uh, came true yet uh, came true she either says yes or not yet uh, so uh, so there is a little bit of like uh, timeliness to predictions that uh, that I think are, are interesting, and uh, that's really where I do think kid solving was was uh, particularly timely. So I think uh, uh, for those who, who didn't hear, uh, you know, one of Brandon's big uh, predictions for the year was kid solving and and how 
adults will increasingly be looking to kids and the younger generation uh, to sort of begin to solve real life problems. And then uh, very soon after that prediction show, uh, sadly, the Parkland thing happened. And then we saw really from that generation uh, how in some ways they were actually leading a movement. Uh, and I, I think there's quite a few different uh, manifestations of that same trend be beyond even Parkland. Um, but, uh, but I thought that was a really interesting one. Any, any thoughts, any basking in your, uh, prognostication? <laughs> yeah. Um, to be clear, the self-congratulatory moments were intended to be reserved for, you know, how many new listeners we welcome sure, to the show. So sure. I, I do want to come back to that, but, um, yeah, the, I feel, I felt, uh, strongly that kid solving was going to be a trend. I, I believe it still will. The thing that is, as you said, sad was it sort of became most, um, in the, in the milieu as a result of a tragedy. Yep. So this is one Rohit talks about tracking his trends for multiple years. This is one that I intend to continue to track and hopefully in 2019 we'll find also sort of, you know, headline worthy mm -hmm. examples of, not associated with tragedy versions of kid solving. Yeah. Um, Cause obviously, you know, I, I was not forecasting that that would happen. I mean, I, I don't think you have to be a pretty good, uh, you have to be all that talented prognosticator to say in 2019, some tragedy will befall us. Sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's life, man, the world in 2019. Um, but I, I certainly wasn't thinking that would, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, um, you know, continue to, to think about that brand and finding other uh, examples that um, are, are more full of hope and happiness yep. that uh, show the, the strength of kids solving the world's problems. Which yeah. It's only going to increase. And it's also like, it's, there is a little bit of, uh, you know, getting, getting zeitgeisty for a moment. Oh uh, yeah. It is a little, by the way, I say zeitgeisty a lot. That's started, that I think started that's this in the zeitgeist. Year. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Everyone, yeah. everyone's saying it. Uh, but, um, but I, but I do think there's something to be said for like a new generation sort of stepping out onto the stage, which is part of what I think kid solving is signaling. Yep. Uh, we did see that also, you know, just talking about civic engagement uh, and how, uh, you know, increasingly Gen Z, uh, great conversation with uh, Who's Gen Z, <laughs> the kids, uh, the youngsters, uh, the, the generation that's entering college right now. Uh, and is about to enter the workforce. Even uh, we even had uh, uh, one of the one of the foundation scholars, uh, Alex uh, Burgess, on the show, uh, who who was really a, a great example of uh, of the generation that that's that's rising. Um, it does feel like there is a little bit of passing of the torch uh, around generations that is happening, or at least the emergence of a younger generation uh, that. Uh, you know, as I get older, I, I haven't really remembered this happening uh, as acutely, perhaps, as, as I was feeling it this year. And, and that might in part be because it was an election year and there, there's a lot of interest around, uh, you know, activating uh, new voters. Uh, but I do think that that youth movement uh, seems unlikely to subside. If anything, it's probably going to continue to build, even if you look at the generational demographics. Um, and I think that is an interesting thing for us to understand on the show too. Like, how do we, how do we tap into those voices? How do we understand, um, that diverse perspective that has brought, um, you know, Tarlin likes to talk about digital natives. Um, I have some challenges with that language, but, uh, but I do think it is, it is true. Like people who are growing up today are, have a very different background, a very different set of experiences. And, uh, you know, how do we give them a voice and how do we sort of engage with them in, in our conversations? I think that'll be a, it was an interesting thing starting to emerge this year, but I imagine it'll be a, an even bigger thing heading into next year. You've mentioned this, uh, a couple of our guests. I think that one of the things that I liked most about this year within this podcast is I think we brought more guests on in, in 18 than ever before. Yep. Um, and I think that's great. Like just the diversity of perspectives, um, hopefully for listeners getting to hear voices that just sound different than Mike's and Dan's and mine, yep. uh, just for some, um, you know, for your oral, uh, experience there. Um, I think that's really, that's great. I, I, I as a listener, you know, I occasionally was a co-host with you as we brought guests on yep. and occasionally had not been on. And so it was just a listener. I loved hearing, you know, the things that, uh, everybody was had to say and, you know, whether it was around, um, you know, the guests that you've, you've mentioned, Tarlin and Rohit and Alex, and, or if it was, you know, when we had um, Women's Day and had a yes. number of different educators, yeah. 
uh, you know, I, I feel like by, by saying a list of more than three, I'm now excluding everybody who I didn't list, but you know who I mean. Like there, there was a, just a, a whole host of, of voices that um, I really like listening to. So just even as a, a listener of the show, um, not even a host, I was, I was happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Obviously a, a long list of guests there. And I, I was most proud or, or one of the things I was most proud of was uh, the teacher episodes uh, that we produced, really celebrating teachers. Uh, you both have been uh, from the jump of this show celebrating teachers and celebrating the idea of them individually and as a group. And it was a really good moment for me to be involved in those episodes. And also, Mike, uh, our sort of recurring episodes I've become really fond of, the Meeker Report, uh, and of course, the, the uh, Gartner hype, hype Cycle has become a regular part of our uh, catalog here. Uh, Mary Meeker leaving the firm. She's been doing it with for a while, so we'll see what 2019 has in store for the Mary Meeker Report. Assume it'll be there, but it could be different. Um, what about you, Mike? What, looking back, uh, what guests or what uh, topic uh, stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, the guests were great. Uh, the one that, that really jumps to mind was Wendy, Wendy Zuckerman from, uh, from Science Versus, uh, where we recorded a live show uh, at the Javits Center. Um, the, the idea of taking the show uh, outside of uh, the lovely confines of our audio booth here and actually started to engage directly with our audience. We even had a live question uh, from, from someone in attendance. Um, to Brandon's point, like being able to bring in um, that spontaneity. Um, and uh, that is something that I, I think we, we're, we enjoy. And I, I, th- I think we can potentially dial that up a little bit, you know, like, can we, can we get out and connect with people more directly and begin to record some of those conversations? Um, I'd love to love to see us move a little bit more in that direction. Um, and then Wendy was just hilarious. Uh, you know, I think we had, we had some pretty uh, entertaining moments uh, in the conversation uh, with Wendy. Uh, also, I, I thought Melissa Griffith on the, the, um, the Meeker show was really interesting. I'd love to get Melissa back on the show. She's only been on one time. Uh, we're also starting to get folks uh, as like uh, repeat visitors. Uh, so I think Rohit's been, Rohit Bargava of the Non-Obvious Company has been on three times. Uh, I think he was on twice this year. Uh, Nancy Sanchez was on twice this year. Uh, so I think we're starting to, uh, Tarlin, I think was on a couple of times, Tarlin Ray. Uh, so like it, it is nice to start, start to round out our cast of characters to, to Brandon's point. Although Brandon, you know, I can talk with this slightly different voice <laughs> if, if you get uh, tired of this one. Yeah, when Dan, I think it was maybe his last episode, Dan was talking about a, a, a bad math teacher made him feel like he was an English guy. I was like... Did, did that mean that like as in fifth grade you were affecting a British accent, like a little Cockney in there? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. I, 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 was, I was just a special lad. Two other things. <laughs> I, you still are, Dan. Two other things. Um, uh, speaking of cast of characters, you know what did not happen in 2018? What's that? Is the Citadel. No, it's true. Yeah. We went a whole year without. Because we missed. So for folks who haven't listened, the Citadel yes. is our, our extra on uh, Game, Game of Thrones coverage, mm-hmm. which ostensibly is tied to, to education. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've made some uh, quarter-hearted attempts to, to get it tethered back to, to that. Yes. Um, we're just like, we're just fanboys. But um, uh, that's coming back in 2019. In April, right? It sure is. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. And we talked about Westworld, right? The pop culture yeah. stuff. We talked about Black Panther. I think it's a, is it a six hitter? Uh, what is, what is the, um, uh, the number of episodes for, uh, for Game of Thrones? This, it's a shorty. I, I think, think it's, it's something six. like that. And there, I heard they might be like feature length. Some of them too, are feature yeah. length. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so there's going to be, look forward to that. Yes. Coming to you on Fridays. And, and then obviously. Thursdays? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's not going to be Sundays. No, when we're going to do our oh, own. Right. Right? Are right. we going to do a little action? We are totally going to do a lot of action. Because otherwise I'm all out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I came for the education. I stuck around for the Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then March Madness for yes. two or three months. Yes. Like it's, um, we should just call it uh, late spring. Spring madness. Early yeah. summer madness. May madness. Spring uh, spontaneity. This time in, in 2019, I'm going to set a BHAG for us, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Yes. I would like to announce the winner of the March Madness episode. On the show. On the show. That's I mean, like, brilliant. We, we tweet it. Well, brilliant. we should do a live show. We'll do a live show. We can do a live show. I think that sounds even better. It's all great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, we, I did, I also liked, I thought Wendy was amazing oh from my science God. versus, um, and just the, the dynamic of having, uh, you know, the sort of, even if we were live to tape, but even if, 
um, uh, it didn't get released live in the moment, the sort of experience of being there, not in, although I love our, as we call it, whisper room. Um, I love our, yeah, uh, I love our studio. Um, mm -hmm. Getting out there like with uh, real living, breathing human beings is, was fun. I, I would, you know, I, I would love to do that again. Some version of, um, I'm not sure if we can fill the Sony PlayStation Theater quite <laughs> yet, uh, where I saw the 538, a couple of their uh, uh -huh. podcast recordings, but sometimes, somewhere, some venue with maybe fewer seats than that, I think we could, uh, that could be fun. Sounds like a plan. Uh, plenty more to come in 2019. Many more, uh, much more to come about 2019 as we do our prediction show sometime in January. All of that will be shared via Twitter and Facebook, uh, trendingeducation.com. What we want to do now uh, is share uh, some conversations with some of those great guests uh, as we talk to them uh, about some of their predictions for 2019, what they're looking forward to, uh, and maybe a look back uh, briefly here on 2018 from each of them. Dan Strapper, Mike Palmer, joined here by Matt Cooper, the CEO of Skillshare. You remember him from an episode earlier this year. If you haven't listened to it, go back to our back catalog. I'll share it on Twitter as well. A very good listen, a conversation between Mike and Matt. Mike, uh, I know you enjoyed the conversation. I know it's good to have Matt here back. What was something that resonated uh, for you uh, from that conversation and something we can catch up uh, here with Matt about? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a prodigious uh, borrower of ideas, and uh, Matt was kind enough to provide us with, uh, with many during that conversation. The one that still stays with me and that I've been, uh, been using a bunch, and thanks again to, to Matt for providing this, is the concept of the T, uh, where around skill development, there's a need to both uh, be able to provide uh, learners the ability to scan across what's emerging uh, to understand what's happening in the world around them, but then also uh, giving them opportunities to go deep when they identify uh, the skills that they really want to develop a real depth of expertise around. Uh, so Matt, uh, thanks for that. Uh, I've been using that uh, uh, pretty regularly. I credit you uh, at least occasionally, so, uh, so, so thanks, thanks for that as well. But, uh, but that certainly, uh, that's, that, that one in particular stuck with me. Uh, and then I think also, um, I really was excited to hear uh, from Matt. I'm curious, uh, you know, what's emerging now around which skills are hot. And uh, I imagine that is something that change, uh, change even, uh, you know, over the, the six, seven months since we last talked to you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really delighted to have Matt back. And uh, I personally got a lot out of the conversation. I hope our listeners did too. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, having me back and having me uh, last time. Really appreciate it. So Matt, why don't we dive in right where uh, Mike was there of things you saw throughout 2018 from the conversation across the entire year at Skillshare, personally learning. There's a lot, a lot to tackle, yeah. but what are some of the skills and the trainings that you saw emerge over on your platform throughout the year that are maybe peaking right now as we come to the end of 2018? Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, I think as a platform, we have really doubled down on just the, on the creator as our core demographic and our, and our power user. I think, you know, we got a lot smarter over 2018, just really who our power users were, where we see the most engagement, where we see the highest retention, who's getting the most value of our, out of our platform. And, you know, for us, it's the professional creative, it's the amateur enthusiast, and then it's sort of the creative leaning entrepreneur. Like those are kind of the three personas that really, I think, find the most value in our platform. So I think we as a company got a lot smarter um, and then when you look at where are they, you know, what content they're engaging with, what do they want to learn? Um, the, uh, the, I think kind of the surprise of 2018 was a, a design software called Procreate, which is uh, designed for the, um, uh, for the iPad. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. You know, we started seeing people searching for it. We, you know, that's one of the things we look for. What, what are people searching for and not finding? Um, we had, uh, we, convince some teachers to teach some classes on Procreate and it just blew up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it became the hot software for 2018. Uh, and we're still seeing that as uh, a very popular topic. Um, a lot of interest in just creating content for the internet. Uh, I think I saw, I think I saw in the UK now, the most popular uh, uh, future career for young, uh, for children in the UK is uh, YouTube star. <laughs> um, so we are feeding that trend, uh, and you know, we had some great classes with Matt Belisai, 
um, and just you know, how to create creative, interesting, compelling content for social media uh, and how to really create a tight connection with your audience. So I think we've got a really nice library there. Um, and then you know, there's been a, uh, a sort of a steady stream of articles around just curiosity as uh, a value, very valuable trait. There was a front cover of uh, Harvard Business Review. It was the case for curiosity. Uh, so that, um, that general theme obviously plays right into our hands. We were very happy to see that, uh, that cover. Um, but uh, I think along with that, you know, creative writing, um, just the process of being creative, how to get into creative mindsets, I think a lot of that content uh, has, uh, has attracted a lot of eyeballs this year. That's interesting too, because uh, frequently, you know, we one of the themes we talk about on a regular basis on the show is the importance of a growth mindset and the idea yeah. that um, if you don't have a skill or a competency, it's not that you're incapable of it. It's just you haven't really had the opportunity to apply uh, your own uh, grit and resolve to uh, focusing on it and learning it. Um, have you found uh, that to be the case, particularly around creative uh, yeah. capacities? Because like I imagine uh, one of the things that, that uh, I always struggle with is when people are called creatives, uh, which, right. which sort of implies that the rest of us are, <laughs> are not. <laughs> or like, you know, it's, a little bit of, yeah. it's kind of othering uh, just in its own uh, parlance there. Yeah. But, um, but, but have you, especially when you're talking about entrepreneurs or, mm -hmm. or you know, uh, enthusiasts, um, how do you, how do you address that? Is that something that Skillshare has, uh, has been seeing that people are, um, maybe in some ways their own, uh, their own limitations are set by themselves? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think we, we see that in a couple of areas. I mean, number one, we actually, we did sort of a, an update of our internal corporate values. Um, and we wanted them to make sure, you know, we want to make sure that they all align with kind of what our, what we believe our values are for our users and, make sure that those are very close to tied and curiosity was front and center. Um, and it's, you know, that growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Um, yeah, it's the number one thing you hire for, right? Because mm -hmm. with the pace of change of the world around us, there's always going to be something you don't know. Mm -hmm. So do you throw up your hands and say, well, I guess I'll just, you know, I'll, uh, I'll go do something else or do you just buckle down and figure it out? So I think the both internally for, our employees and externally for our business, curiosity is a, is a hot button. Um, but then when you look at, uh, so there's, yes, there's sort of the creative functions and jobs, but then there's also just freelancers in general. Uh, and 80% of our teachers are freelancers. 50% of our students have freelanced in the last two years, something like close to 80% intend to freelance in the coming six months or two years. So the, um, if you're a freelancer, you can't say, oh, I can only do one thing. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I got to turn down your business. Like somebody says, hey, can you do this project? You say yes. And then you scramble like hell behind the scenes to figure out how to do it. You know, mm -hmm. so we hear those stories a lot. And I think that's actually what drives a lot of usage of Skillshare is people are just trying to figure out how to make things work. I, I, I've yeah. may, I may have done that a few times in the past. Of, yeah, totally. I, I totally. I, 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 I think I did it this week. <laughs> I totally know what you're talking about. Google it and then figure out what, how to do it later. Uh, all of that is, is great. And I think we are seeing that accelerated change in what's hot and what's, you know, people are looking at over the course of 2018. I assume you're looking forward to similar in 2019, just sort of an accelerated pace of what people are looking for, when they want it, how they want it, yeah. just an acceleration of content uh, digestion and then turning on to the next thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the... The beauty of our model, because it's an open platform and anybody can come in and teach, um, and actually our number one source of new teachers is our student base. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as people identify things that they think are hot or interesting or they know that nobody else does, they teach classes. Um, and so we can kind of sit back and just watch what's going on within our platform and the content that's bubbling up and what people are creating and what people are engaging with. Um, and then we can, you know, it just sort of gives us a real-time view into the zeitgeist of what this crowd needs and wants to learn. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the, you know, for us, it's how do we get better at spotting those trends sooner? How do we give teachers the tools they need to get that expertise out of their brain and onto the platform? Um, I think the, the other thing that we've been seeing is just our growth internationally. Um, we've done very little sort of deliberate work to foster an international crowd. Half of all of our new users are coming from outside the U.S. 
Mm. Uh, and we've done little to nothing. So it's a, we're also sort of waking up to the fact that this is a global platform and, you know, the, what the designers are doing in Japan is really interesting to the designer in Brazil, Brooklyn, and Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sort of global cross-pollination creates some really interesting opportunities for us. Mm-hmm. Any uh, predictions? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good time to put your uh, prognosticator hat on oh, uh, with 2019 on the horizon. It, it's only recorded uh, for posterity, right. so, uh, exactly. so no pressure. But uh, but do you uh, do you see anything emerging? Do you any any trends that are sort of heating up that you think might get hotter in the year to come? Uh, you know, I think the the continued march towards freelance. Um, uh, you know, I just think it's, again, it's not like it's a new thing, mm-hmm. um, but I think with every with every passing month, it just becomes more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, I saw an announcement that one of my former employers, Upwork, uh, big freelancer marketplace, signed a deal with Microsoft. Yep. Uh, you know, so this is like the, the merging of like the oldest office software that you can think of uh, is combining forces with the hot new freelance platform. It's all about, all about how do you take the traditional office software structure and apply it to a freelance model. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So I, it was sort of this very public validation that the freelance model is here to stay. And yeah. companies are trying to figure out how to incorporate that in their day-to-day working and living. Uh, and so for us, it's like, all right, how do we also become part of just how every company evolves, how every employee freelancer uh, stays current and, uh, and gets ahead of the skills that are coming down the road. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. It's kind of uh, triggering a little bit of, uh, you know, we just had a conversation with folks from uh, the Chan Zuckerberg initiative mm-hmm. about uh, their whole teacher, well, whole student, and then also whole teacher uh, frameworks where like, they don't just teach uh, the skills or the competencies you need, but they also are trying to, you know, figure out how do you manage the whole person and understand how that individual can kind of navigate the complexities of modern life. Yeah, uh, It's really interesting to think about that from the perspective of an increasingly uh, freelance gig economy uh, persona who's emerging. Um, in addition to learning the skills, um, there's also just understanding like, how do you navigate life as yeah. uh, as a freelancer is that a space that uh that skillshare is exploring as well just sort of like the managing uh, the life managing your finances managing uh, your yeah. own you're like a startup really as a uh, as a freelancer you're like an entrepreneur of one to serve that's to- right yeah no and that's it. i think that's a great example i mean we one of the classes that we launched uh, in the last couple of months was uh was produced uh, sort of jointly with bench which is a freelancer accounting software um, and so like, how do you manage your freelance, uh, finances? How, what tax issues do you have? What compliance issues do you run into? Um, and, and I think it comes back to that T-shaped learning. When you're a freelancer, you can't afford to only be really good at blank. You got to know finance, you got to know sales, you got no customer service. You need to understand SEO. Like you need to, you're running a, a one man, one woman show. Um, so I think we're, that is actually one of the key topic areas for us in 2019 is how do we help you live that life and how do we give you the tools you need to be successful, uh, building that career, uh, out of your passion. Matt, we've uh, talked growth mindset. We've talked about, uh, what Skillshare has on the horizon, what skills and or learnings are you looking for in 2019? What's on your horizon yeah. personally that you're trying to pick up, uh, in, uh, in <laughs> so this is very random. Uh, I want to learn how to do a handstand. There you go. I like you it. Know, one of those very practical skills that every CEO needs. Are, uh, are you are you developing a course for that as well, or are you just doing it on your own uh, on your so own time? I uh, there's actually a, you know I, I get sucked into all these Facebook ads for whatever the you know the workout of the day is, uh, and I got sucked into one that was a body weight workout, and then they sort of work you towards doing inversions and handstands and you know parallelettes and all these other things so uh i did like an eight week program that was all body weight stuff uh and it sort of gave me the itch and it's always one of those it's what it's just a great cocktail party trick 
that I feel like I should have in my repertoire. So since I can't do magic, I'll do handstands. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show next year. <laughs> well, you'll, we'll interview you while you're doing a headstand. That, that will well, be, uh... and luckily, that room is padded, so uh, <laughs> I'll have a soft landing. It is, in fact, bad. And Matt, thanks so much for the time. We look forward to talking to you again in 2019. Dan Strapper and Mike Palmer now joined on the line by Dr. Mark Sanders. You should remember him from our philosophy and civic engagement discussion around National Teachers Day back in the early spring of 2018. Mike, uh, excited to have Mark back. Uh, why don't you bring uh, your friend onto the show and uh, let us know how you're doing as well. I'm doing wonderfully well, and I'm, I'm excited uh, to have Mark back. So, uh, Mark, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thank you very much, Mike. It is an honor to be back with both you and Dan, and I am not upset in any way that Brandon has deemed that, it's, that he has other things to do that are more important than talking to me uh, for the second time. Yeah, we, we all make choices in life, right? And, yes, we do. Uh, and, yes. and, uh, and we learn from these choices. Yes, uh, no, I understand. I understand completely. And I like, uh, I learn from my choices too. Yeah, and, uh, and speaking of choices, uh, the, there's a big decision that everyone makes in their lives around the level to which they want to be engaged mm. in uh, civic activity, civic discourse. And uh, that was a big part of what, we talked to you about back in May. Yes. And uh, I know I, I'm tracking you. You're, you're a great follow on Twitter, uh, whether folks are interested in uh, civic engagement or, uh, or hip hop or uh, what's happening in the world around us. Um, we wanted to check back in with many of our friends of the show, yourself uh, uh, in particular here, around uh, what trends uh, you saw in uh, 2018, it was an election year. Uh, you were involved in civic engagement really throughout the year. Uh, so any sort of reflections back on the year that was uh, and any thoughts uh, about what you might see on the horizon in the, in the year ahead? Um, anything uh, catching your attention, either looking back or looking forward? Uh, yes, um, absolutely. I'm glad to have the chance to kind of think back about the, the past year and kind of think forward a little bit too. Just one quick ad. Uh, you can also uh, check in with my Twitter account if you want the philosophy jokes. Lots nice. of philosophical humor yes. uh, at, at citizen uh, underscore Sanders. Um, and a few other miscellaneous things as well. Uh, but in terms of civic engagement, I was actually uh, quite happy with uh, the the student-aged voter turnout in the midterm elections. Um, the midterm elections uh, this, for 2018 had kind of historic uh, turnout anyway across the board, um, but it was nice to see that students uh, in a big way turned out. Um, there's still a lot more work to be done. They're still underrepresented. Um, and I'm really looking for more student engagement in kind of policy issues, um, not just turning out to vote. Voting is very, um, important, um, but looking at policy issues that students are actually concerned with. And so it's a sort of a tricky thing for me to kind of, uh, as someone who was not that politically and civically engaged as a college student, uh, but who wants students to kind of, if they want their voice to be heard, uh, have to do certain things to make their voice be heard. So voting is definitely one of them. Once more students vote, Politicians will be interested in what students have to say, but students have to have something to say and they have to know who to say it to. Uh, so one of the big things that we're trying to do at UNC Charlotte with the group I'm in called 49er Democracy Experience is to kind of get, try to get students involved in local government uh, where they have kind of direct access. They can go to meetings, meetings are open. They can go to, to meetings whenever they want. A lot of the meetings for the city council are streamed on, on, on Facebook. Uh, it's not the most riveting things, but when they're talking about things that are of importance to students that they should try to be um, involved. And one of the things we're trying to do is have some of these city council members, for instance, uh, come to campus. Um, there are a lot of, uh, there's a, quite a few millennials on the city council. Um, um, there's also, we just had a UNC Charlotte faculty member elected to the county commission. So that was exciting too. Mm -hmm. um, so having those folks come to campus to talk to students and have a real dialogue about what students care about and what they can do 
uh, and how they can do them uh, in communication with these elected officials is something that I'm looking forward to doing um, now that the election is kind of over, mm-hmm. we can talk about kind of other, other things to, to, uh, to do until, you know, the elections ramp up again any, any, any minute now. But yeah. um, to have some time this next semester to kind of do, do that work is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And um, coming off an election year, a midterm election, but an election year with uh, big turnout and big activation on the voting side, uh, from the perspective of a philosophy professor who's focused on civic engagement, um, what do you see coming in the year ahead? So 2019, not a big time election year, mm-hmm. um, perhaps, you know, not to, not to lead the witness, but you were just talking about uh, ways to engage uh, locally and ways to sort of drive civic engagement that maybe aren't necessarily tied to voting. Um, what do you see on the horizon in 2019 around civic engagement and, uh, you know, sort of activating the, the rising generation? Um, so I guess I maybe will maybe do some callbacks to some of your episodes earlier this year or during the year where you talked about various trends. Um, uh, and one of the one, I'm not even sure if it was kid solving was a uh, something that um, I'm not sure who came came up with. Um, uh, it may have been Brandon, but he's not here, so I'm gonna. So I'm we gonna, can attribute it to you and Dan. I think you came up yeah, with the idea, yeah. and then Dan coined the uh, the uh, term. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, so that that idea of of kids uh, kids, but students taking taking kind of center center stage and and kind of leading more. And from a from a philosophical perspective, it's not so much that just you know students are gonna are gonna lead, but the students will lead more. Mm-hmm. That there'll be more of an interaction. So I like to think about. Uh, the idea of teaching and learning, which is something else that you talked about in that episode about mm-hmm. the the, uh, the, uh, the trends, maybe in terms of social emotional learning, mm-hmm. uh, that it's important for teachers, especially of philosophy, but of, of anything, to not just say that they can learn from their students, but to actually try to learn from uh, from from their from their students, and I mm-hmm. and to not be afraid to learn from their from, from their from their students. Yep. Uh, and I find that the more I'm willing to talk about learning from them, the more they're willing to learn from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not always easy, uh, especially again. So, like I, like I think I mentioned the last time I was on that it's great to have students who are interested in, in philosophy and love it and eat it up and they're interested to learn. And I also teach intro courses for students who are checking a box to take a course. And um, the more I'm receptive to them, the more they're receptive to actually think what I have to say yeah. is um, 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 important. And so that kind of that kind of dialogue in terms of having both teaching and learning taking place in terms of for students and for 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 teachers yeah because um, i mentioned part of what you're teaching is the ability to listen and yes. and and also another theme that we've talked a lot about is uh intergenerational diversity so the mm-hmm. idea that um I've, I've read recently that uh this is the most uh segregated our culture has been uh, generationally uh, in our history, so that we're not we're not engaging with each other. We're engaging within our sort of generational cohorts, and that generally the dynamics when you start having a younger generation talk to an older generation um, isn't as natural, at least in terms of the the sort of the public perception of how the generations can engage. And some of what you've been talking about, I think, almost runs counter to that. So, like, you're you're almost trying to sort of, you know, re-engage with youth to remind them that you can, like, folks in the the older generations. I'm going to peg us as Gen X. Like, like we can listen and find value out of the conversations that we're having with uh, the emer- the rising generations. And then similarly, like, if you establish that trust and establish that you're listening to them then maybe they're a little more receptive to you imparting some of your knowledge uh, in the other direction, you know, but I do think the power dynamics uh, around age and, uh, and really sort of establishment within your particular role uh, are a place where you almost need to try different tactics to kind of break that frame, you know? Yeah, no, I agree com- com- completely. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, and I think in terms of trying, being able to try different things and not to be, you know, because it's tough because I, I try different things in, in my classes all of the, the time and a lot of them don't work. And it's frustrating that they don't, that they don't work. But every once in a while something works and it's, and it's, it's, it's great. So you kind of find to you pick up on, on that and 
uh, you kind of you go forward um, with that and and working with students who are either TAs or I'm having one they're called a a communication consultant for a course that I'm, it's a special course and it's a communication linking course. So I have a communication consultant and they're not going to do any grading. They're going to work with the students kind of, and they're going to check up on them to make sure they're doing kind of what I want them to do and, and that kind of stuff and work them on, on projects. And so to have that interaction between me and this consultant and then the students is also, I think, going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Again, to try to try to learn what will work. Um, and so from the standpoint of a teacher in a classroom, that's always happening, this intergenerational thing. But then on a, yeah, on a broader political scale, uh, how do we talk to each other? Um, I think there are, you know, there's some folks we listen to more than others, but a lot of it is trial and error, not being afraid to, to, to try things. And, and, and to, you know, it's, it's okay to sound like a grumpy old man once in a while, um, but also it's okay to try to, you know, talk to kids on, on, their, on their level. Um, yeah, so. and, and I imagine you learn, like it's also the, the the idea of always be learning like yeah like as you get older it gets easier to be less experimental and to uh, act as though you figured it all out uh, and then kind of rinse and repeat against the tactics that worked through throughout the sort of formative stages of your career but yeah you know, I think increasingly it's almost like a a call to arms for uh, those of us of Gen X on up to say like you know you can engage, but you have to be experimental and be willing to learn from your failures, uh, perhaps even more so than your successes. Um, are there any examples that, that come to mind around uh, things you've tried that have uh, surprised you and that you've learned from around civic engagement? Um, for around civic engagement specifically, um, or, or, or just for around any tactics that you got a little more experimental about and then you had surprising results and it's changed how you uh, are, are teaching or engaging your classes. So, yeah. So when I have my, uh, so I have some of my students uh, prepare lesson plans for high school classes to kind of introduce them to uh, philosophy. A lot of them go to uh, like videos, they go to YouTube videos, but then there's actually, I just found a, a, someone else introduced me to a really, a student introduced me to a really cool channel, the name, which I'm, of course I'm blanking on right now, um, that like specializes in like philosophy, um, themes and topics and motifs. And it, and it's really good because there's, 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 there's a lot of really bad ones out there. Like they kind of want to fall back, like, Oh, I'm going to explain utilitarianism. Here's a two minute video that I think is funny or it's like, whatever. And oftentimes I'm like, it's not that funny, first of all, or it's just, it's really giving you short shrift to what's going on. It's not an accurate, you know, not to get too deep in the weeds, but this is not like the best and they kind of fall back. So as much as I do learn things, like I've learned this new YouTube channel or it's called, uh, I forget what it's, what it's called. <laughs> practice something. Um, practice? No, it's not called practice. It's not called practice. <laughs> um, I'll, 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 Tweet it, I'll tweet it out later. Yes, Ooh, that's, my, good. that's good. That's good. That's a teaser alert. Well yeah. done. Yeah, but it's all, but it's but it's important to kind of be critical of these things too because I, I want to be receptive to what the students are doing, mm -hmm. but I also I I can't be afraid to be like that's not the best idea. I need to be open minded and yet critical. And again, from a philosophy perspective, that's still one of those difficult things. I still have students who, if I ask them a question, they think I'm criticizing them and they take offense to it, and that can be difficult. Um, but the more I work at doing it better, the more students become receptive, and then they can question people without being uh, overly critical um, of things. And so, um, yeah, again, it's it's me showing things to them that I think would work, but being open to things that that um, that they think would work. Um, yeah, just being open open um, to that. Um, and so I, yeah, so I, I rethink everything. I rethink how I even do group projects. More and more students want to do group projects, but not group papers. Mm. Uh, and so I think I'm going to do away with group papers. I think I've been convinced that students should work together on a group project, but the group paper, sometimes it comes off really well, but I think a lot of times it's because one person in the group really wrote the paper. So as much as I have reasons for doing things, I'm open to changing. So I'm probably going to get rid of group papers next semester, keep doing group projects uh, and, and be open to what they want to do uh, with those, with those projects more. Mm -hmm. Could spend a, a, 
a ton of time continuing to to talk to you, Mark. Uh, would love to get more time on your calendar so that we could continue the conversation. Um, any parting uh, parting words of wisdom uh, from uh, Dr. Mark Sanders, uh, civic engagement expert, uh, philosophy professor, and all around good egg? Uh, any any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, sure, I think. All of the all of listeners out there in trending edge education, uh, if they haven't uh, seriously considered, uh, if they're if they're of student college student, they should consider taking a, a philosophy class. As much as uh, I think, you know, community engagement, civic engagement is one of my passions right now, and hopefully it will continue um, to be. I really do think uh, my background in, in in philosophy helps me uh, with that, and I can go on and on about um, the the benefits of, of philosophy, including the the improvement it gives students on standardized tests, mm-hmm. which is something that that you guys know about. Um, but uh, I think making philosophy making philosophy more 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 public, getting philosophy out there in community engagement, I think w- is is um, uh, uh, beneficial. Um, and so that's why I'm looking to add that kind of. Um, that part to the community engagement, the, the philosophical ongoing uh, questioning. So I would just um, tell people to, um, to continue, uh, not to, well, for me to continue, but I would tell people to, to have an open mind, but to also be questioning and, uh, of things and, and engage in critical thinking as often as possible. I think that's crucially important. That's awesome. Probably true even if you're not uh, an undergraduate or you're not uh, yes, yes, in so, college, specifically yes. the audience you know best, but, uh, but, yeah. but if our listeners are of any age, really, like just uh, trying to continue to hone our understanding of philosophy and like tap into to that, that depth of knowledge, the critical perspective you're talking about probably useful for lifelong learners. Uh, yes, absolutely. Like when, when, when we go to our high school class, the two things we want to do is, you know, introduce people to, to philosophy, but kind of explain they're being philosophical already. Like there's no one that's not philosophical. It's kind of giving them some tools to be more philosophical, but um, that uh, everybody is, 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 is philosophical to kind of bring that out more, bring the critical thinking out more, I think would, would benefit everybody. Absolutely. Dr. Mark Sanders, thanks for the time. Appreciate it as always and look forward to talking to you again in 2019. Great. Thanks. I look forward to it too. Dan Trevor now joined by Samantha Jaklinski, uh, our March Madness winner. Uh, and uh, that is said with a little bit of a chuckle because Brandon and Mike like to poke some fun from time to time that we never quite announced uh, our March Madness bracket winner, but she is here now as we round out 2018. Uh, Samantha First, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. And this is a, a fulfillment of one, winning that bracket, but also uh, Samantha, a colleague uh, and a friend here uh, at Kaplan Test Prep, uh, wanted to get her voice lended to uh, our podcast, also looking uh, towards uh, what you've learned and what you're looking forward to learning and trends you're tracking. Uh, wanted to touch on March Madness to begin with. Now, I'm a sports person. Uh, I am, you know, probably too far. My wife has said many times I'll watch competitive paint drying if there was a score involved with it. Uh, but we tried to blend, obviously, the sports world and education and learning back in March. What was it, you know, for you, one, trying to make predictions? It was sort of a, a, an experiment for us because it was all social media driven. So who knows what, the way the votes are going to go? Was it fun for you to think differently about the trends, differently about how they may mesh together or go head to head and then make your choices as to who would advance? It was definitely a different strategy compared to the way I usually go into March Madness brackets, where it's totally random, usually go by the mascot or my own feelings about certain colleges. Uh, so definitely put more thought into picking the trends that I thought would advance in the bracket. I still did a little bit of like what I like the most, right? So memes, that was for me. Um, but in the end, I, I did put some thought into what I thought and, and I'll say Samantha has a, a, a good social strategy around her own picks because she may have been trying to put the thumb on the scale by, by pushing votes towards what you want to, but that's, that's trends that, you know, when you can get people to believe in what you're saying on social media, that's something that goes viral and, and people get on board. So uh, it was intriguing to see who voted for what and how it uh, came to pass. Also good to hear we got more involvement from you than a typical March Madness bracket. So we may need you as a bracketologist next year. To, to break it down, be the independent arbiter of things, how, how they work out. 
what if, what's something you learned in 2018? What's something that, you know, over the course, either was a specific subject matter or something new you picked up uh, that you look back on and realize, oh, you know, I, I, that's something I learned in 2018. Yeah, so I think for me, when I look back uh, specifically at the bracket uh, and what I had chosen and then the ultimate winners, for me, I think it represents how going into 2018, I maybe didn't feel as hopeful about the status of things in the world. So when I saw kids solving the fake news, for me, that just makes me feel a little bit more hopeful uh, and really proud because I think that is something that I learned this year uh, is that we do have more power than sometimes it might feel and that the way things are today doesn't need to be the way that they are forever. So I really took interest in watching the Parkland kids, of course, a terrible situation, but seeing what they're doing even today just gives me a lot more hope for the future. Yeah, Brandon may mention on our short segment about uh, hoping 2019 shows us more positive kid solving, not, not from the tragedy or the trauma, but seeing these individuals, but also other, uh, I'll say kids, I guess I'm old enough now, uh, other kids who can, uh, I am old enough now, uh, kids who can uh, make a difference and make, have their platform and have their platform heard because of social media and because of the way things are becoming more and more interconnected. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2019? Is it that sort of trend, seeing more of the next generation, Gen Z, and the generation to follow uh, what uh, influence they may have on education, learning, and, and society at large? Definitely one of those. I mean, I think every generation goes through like kids these days and thinking that the way kids have it uh, isn't, is easier than the way we did, right? But I am interested to see them get a better reputation because I think they are doing some incredible things. The other thing for me is uh, the mindfulness piece. So shout out to my uh, only loss in March Madness, um, because I do think we're at a point where there is so much happening around us, so many things that are looking for our attention. And I do think we need to go back to the basics just a little bit. Samantha Jaklinski, thank you for the time. We may force you on again in the future. Um, it will, of course, be at your blessing. But we would love to have you back discussing uh, different trends throughout the year in 2019. Uh, and uh, if you uh, don't know, Samantha uh, helps us out a lot in the, the background when it comes to training education, both with activation of social, but uh, copy editing my copy, which is a tough task, I must say. So, Samantha, appreciate you. Appreciate your involvement in training education here in 2018 and also further involvement here going forward in 2019. And that's going to do it for this episode of Trending in Education. We hope to bring you more of our guests from 2018. Their look back on 2018 and look forward on 2019 early on in January. Wanted to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas for those who celebrate, for those uh, who do not. We hope you have a great week. We hope you stay tuned for more from Trending in Education. And, of course, have a very happy new year. We will be back with you with brand new episodes to start January as we roll out some great content. If you have ideas on what you want to hear on Trending in Education, feel free to uh, go over to our website, trendinginteducation.com. There's a form you can fill out there or tweet at us at Trending in Ed or visit us on Facebook, Trending in Ed on there as well. Let us know what you're thinking about. Let us know what you'd like to hear, and we'd be happy to discuss it right here on Trending in Education. Yeah.